0: This morning, I just want to welcome you to Heritage Mission Church. My name is Pastor John, and it is so great to have you with us here this morning. One of the things over the past couple of years, I don't know about you, but I recognize the importance of meeting together, especially when there was a time where we couldn't do that as much, and uh, but I'd love to be able to come together and be in the presence of God together in the sense of the presence here at work. And uh, so I just want to thank you for being here. If you're a guest with us today, I just want to say a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here with us. And uh, we want to say if there's uh, anything we can do uh, to get uh, questions and things about our church, we want to be able to answer those for you. And again, we're so glad that you're here with us. You'll know, notice that in the pew in front of you, right in that little pocket, you'll find a card that we call a connection card. If you could take a few moments at some point just to fill out that connection card. And uh, I think this an opportunity to kind of follow up with you, of course, answer any questions you may have about our church, and we can talk about that. But we'd love just to, for you to take a few moments to fill that out, and you'll notice that right after service, there's actually a box right at the back. That's our offering box. You can drop it right in the offering box. And so we want to encourage you to do that, and uh, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. And I also just wanted to uh, just read this thank you card. This is from Teen Challenge. Many of you know that we... Uh, we celebrate Teen Challenge. We also support Team Challenge with our missions money. So when we give when you give money to missions, we actually give a portion of that to Teen Challenge every month. And so we support them very well. And they were here just a few weeks ago. And so this is just a thank you card that they sent to us. So I just wanted to read it to you. It says, Dear Heritage Christian Church and Pastor John, Pastor John, thank you so much for having us out to your church. We had such an amazing time of fellowship full of love and gratitude. I truly hope that you're you're all... Oh, this is like a Southern thing. I hope that y'all were as touched by everything as we were. Uh, there was such a powerful presence of God throughout the service. And I pray that God continues to, to work through you every single day. And also, thanks again, I pray that's that your womb goes as painless as possible. So, <laughs> kind Fairly of like, okay. painless, a little wet, but... So when no, just right? to yeah. Get Get from, the scripture full cool, right? Yeah, there. So this morning we're continuing our series on and the days of school. Elisha. And most more specifically we're talking about being desperate for a miracle. And we're gonna be uh, going through second Kings chapter four verses one through seven this morning. So if you'd like to turn there if you have your own Bible, that's great. Either on your phone or a real Bible, or it will also be on the screen behind me as well. So Ever found yourself in a situation where you just didn't know what to do? Maybe you had a big decision to make. Maybe you were struggling with something in your life. Something just wasn't going right. You faced a major crisis. Maybe you had a wayward child, or you just did something stupid. Not only did you not know how you got into this. Of course, many of you know some of our story, you know, we were there about a year ago. We rented a home here on the Cape for almost six years. The owner decided to sell the home, and we out pretty quickly. And as as you know, most of you know at that time, the market was inflated so and It continues to be very expensive to buy a home these days. And we did our best, we tried to do our part, we went out there and looked at homes, and we put several offers in, only to be out there. And we looked for a rental at that time. We were just struggling. Things were getting rough, and there seemed to be no solution in sight. We were desperate. Then the doubts and the helplessness set in. So hope you know exactly what we're talking about. Because you felt it. You know where we're talking about. We had no idea what we're going to do. One thing we knew. Now if you've been there, or you're, you're there now, I bet you can relate exactly what we're going to talk about this morning with this widow in 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going a little bit out of order here in this series, because I wanted you to see first Naaman's pride, so that we can contrast it to this widow, and how she came to the prophet. I want us to see the difference between the pride of Naaman and the widow. Last week was a healing miracle. A healing miracle. Last week we learned about a healing of leprosy. And we are a church that believes in God's power to heal. No doubt about it. God has healed many people, physically, spiritually, mentally. And you may remember that Naaman almost missed out on his miracle. And why did he almost miss out on his miracle? He almost missed out on his miracle because of pride almost kept him a leper. Naaman had to be humble to be healed. He had to lay down his expectations, his pride, and then simply trust God. And that was no small task for a man like him, Right? We learned that last week. Pretty powerful name. Today's situation is the opposite of what we read last week. Let's read it together. 2 Kings Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a predator has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have? Nothing at all, except a flask of all of What we discover in this text is a woman in the middle of a financial crisis. And not only a financial crisis, but she's about to lose her children. <coughs> and one thing is clear, if you've ever been in this place, one thing is clear, she did not know what to do. She did not have the solution herself. She could not figure it out. So, what does she do? Well, first of all, she wasn't proud at all. Unlike Laban. Right away, what did she do? She sought help. She sought help. I need help. She's just lost her husband, she's lost her money, and now she's in danger of losing her children. And for those of you who are mothers, perhaps you can identify with the gravity of this situation how difficult this must have been for her. Because nearly every mother would do anything she can to protect her children. Nearly every mother will do all she can to keep her family together. This woman comes to Elisha with a request. Because she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't have the answers. So now she's coming to Elisha with a request. And what do you do when you don't know what to do? I think we're going to see a few answers. First thing we talk about is ask for help. Ask for help. When you don't know what to do, you ask for help. Talk a little bit. Mm -hmm. so, If you lack wisdom, pray for it and give it to you. So she cried out to Elisha. By crying out to Elisha, she is crying out to God. Elisha is just watching. He's the representative. And crying to say, I need something to come to my rescue. I'm in a desperate situation right now. I need you. I need help. I'm not going to sing the song. Some of you do know. but we know that her husband was revered. He, he revered the Lord. Her husband was in ministry, in fact, and she came from a good family. They'd done everything right, so to see but now all of that is gone. Her husband is gone, and now she's asking, she's pleading, she's crying out to God in desperation. I want you to feel that desperation. I want you to remember what that felt like, that moment where you didn't know what to do, and you had nowhere to turn, and you didn't have answers to your own situation. Put yourself in your shoes just to remember that. And I'd like to ask you a few questions. And the first question is, Are you too proud to ask God for help? Are you too proud to ask God for help? This is what a French philosopher named Blaise Pascal said about pride. He said, our principal malady is our pride which cuts us off from God. Our principal malady is our pride which cuts us off from God. The second question is like it. Where do you go? To whom or what do you go? When life tumbles in on you. Often we run to all kinds of things things, other than we run to maybe advice columns and maybe we Google and try to find answers. We run to our phones. We run to all kinds of things that can become distractions from hearing God. We actually cut ourselves off from God when we do that. We run to other things and we run the opposite direction. And we're trying to find answers somewhere else. But for some of us, let's just be real: some of us are looking for a particular answer that we want to hear, right? Have you been there? No, I've been there. I've, I've, I've for certain answers, and I waited until I got that answer from somebody. See, the problem is that we look to God as our last resort when God should be our first resort. He's not the last. And when we were faced with our situation, when we were faced with our situation, we needed to do was pray. And many of you pray with us and pray for us. I emailed our leadership team and asked them to pray. And we asked for help. This is something that we couldn't have faced on our own. So when you don't know what to do, ask God. that help in a person, in the form of wise advice, or in the form of something else. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 3-4 through four now. It says, And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So what does she do next? She immediately did what the prophet said. And I want you to see the difference here. She did not come with her own expectations of what it's going to look like. She didn't come thinking Elisha would just wave his hand over her and that would take care of everything. No, she didn't get angry and storm off because it didn't go exactly the way she thought it would go.
1: She had a simple faith
0: and she did what the prophet told her to do without question. And even though, like the plan to heal Naaman, it didn't seem to make sense. Here she is doing something that all of us would look at naturally and say, that doesn't really make sense. You're going to take a of water and you're going to divide it between each of all these buckets. What does that do? Right? But this widow took a step of faith, like I was talking about this morning in prayer. Sometimes we have to take a step of faith. Sometimes we have to take that step of Now this is a very strange plan. And notice Elijah didn't say, "Hey, just bring all the oil, bring that flask, bring it to me, and I'm going to pray over it, and then it's going to multiply." Right? He didn't say that. He said, no, take that oil, collect all of your neighbor's dishes, and shut the door behind you. Now Jesus can pray over water and, and, and wine, Right? You can take a few loaves and a few Let anybody in and speak negative, negative things to you or trying to convince you that this was just a dumb plan. See, we don't see any of that. We don't see the same attitude that we saw in the name. We don't see the same pride that continued to come up in the name. See, her choice is really our choice to make as well. When we listen to divine instruction, or will we allow our circumstances to distract us from that divine instruction? There are all kinds of voices we could listen to in this world if we wanted. Right? Turn on the radio, you get one voice. You turn on the news or TV and you get other voices. You may read something on your phone, you may read the news on your phone, or listen to a podcast. There's no shortage of voices that are willing to speak to you at any given point. Are these the voices that we need to be listening to? That's the question. Will we listen to divine instruction? That's the difference. Will we listen? to divine instruction when our circumstances seem dire? When we are desperate, where will we turn? to to. I had a great professor in college named Scott Haven. He put it this way.
1: He said circumstances
0: consistently call into question the promises of God. Circumstances consistently call into question the promises of God. How do you know that he's a God of the promise if you never faces circumstances where he has to be a God of the promise? Will God be able to do he says he will do. Will God fulfill the promises that he says? He will fulfill? See, when we look at our circumstances and we allow them to dictate whether we'll listen to God or not, we my circumstances are going just so, then I'll listen to God. Will we listen to God in the middle of our circumstances despite our circumstances? Will we listen to divine instruction? Even when it doesn't make sense to us, I challenge you, go through God's word. Read of any of the miracles. Did any of those miracles make sense? Did it make sense to rub some But he did do that too, right? He spoke it and it happened too. I that all makes sense. But it doesn't mean it I should say at least a couple of things about listening this morning. You see, the problem isn't an issue of whether God is speaking, because God is, in fact, still speaking. The question is are we listening? Are we hearing his voice? God speaks to us through the testimony of the scriptures. He speaks to us through the witness of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through servants of God, people around us, people he's put us in community with. He speaks to us through the testimony of the church, through people who counsel us and work with us and pastor us. He speaks to us through the living body of Christ. God even speaks to us in strange places your times because God still speaks. Now, the question isn't whether God still speaks, the question is, will we listen when He speaks? See, there's a difference between listening and hearing. Those of you who are married or have been married know what I'm talking about. Can you tell the difference between when your spouse is hearing you and when they're listening to you? See, you may be in the middle of watching a Celtics playoff game or possibly the Bruins playoff game, and your wife or your husband wants to have a conversation during that game. You are on the way to the commercials, at least. Now, if they're having that conversation with you, you may be hearing them. You may be hearing it. It's going in your ear. But are you really listening? Don't answer that. Anything you say can and will be used against you. horrible question, but I will tell you I'm guilty. There's no shame in Christ Jesus. There's therefore now no condemnation. But what does listening have to do with this widow in 2 Kings chapter? The woman is faced with a decision. It's a decision she must make, and it's a decision that we all must make as well. Will she decide to hear and ignore, or will she decide to listen nor obey. Ultimately, she must decide whether she will obey the servant of God as instructed. Are you trusting in God's divine instructions? Are you listening? Are you Are you really listening? See if I'm. If I'm maybe staring at. Really listen to God. So, what do you do when you don't know what to do? First, you ask for help. Then you do what God is telling you to do. What He like speaks to you. Again, in our situation, we, we took a step of faith, we applied for housing, we went through this application process, and, and then we had to trust God. same place Naaman ended up, in the same place that we all are in, we need to trust. And it doesn't make sense. When things don't seem to be going the way we need. when we're praying for the miracle and we're just not seeing it, we need to trust. 2 Kings 4, 5-7 says, so she did as she was told. Let that sink in for me. So she did Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live Doesn't the Christian life always seem to boil down to trust. We, trust. we saw it in David. We see it in the story of the widow. We saw it when Elijah passed down that baton to Elisha. He had to trust Against the wall, and the Red Sea was in front of them. What did they have to do? They trust God. Take with them. Elisha gives her instructions. She listens to them. She leaves him. And the text goes on to say that she did exactly as he said. Not only did she listen, but she trusted that somehow this weird plan was going to work. Or somehow something was in this. And she was just going to do what she was going to do. So she collects all these vessels. She tells Elisha what happened. And he says... she needed to decide that God that she would trust God anyhow regardless of in a book called A Little Pot of Oil author Jill Briscoe writes this she says sometimes it takes a crisis in our lives to test our faith to show us the limits of our own strength and the insufficiency of our own strength and the sufficiency of God's provision but we don't learn that lesson if we just sit around and wait God to take care of us, we have to step out and pour out, trusting that the Holy Spirit will fill us and give us what we need to continue. See, it's easier to trust God when the weather is fair, when everything is going right, but when the rain starts falling, when the rain starts falling and the storm is raging, it's easier to trust God. When the sorrow buffets you like a storm, will you trust God then? You know, of probably heard of this, but Mother Teresa working among the poor in Calcutta, India. And one day, somebody asked her, "Why the untouchable class seemed to be so drawn to her, seemed to be so drawn to her faith?" You know what she said? She said that she said, "When Jesus is all you've got." we discover that Jesus is all we need. And see, the widow's decision is our decision to make this morning. Will we decide that when all we have is a little pot of water in Jesus, that Jesus will be all we need? Maybe it's not much. You look at it and go, this is not much. We're do this.
1: Will we decide that God is enough
0: in a world where in a world where people camp outside of Best Buy to get the newest life world. But to decide that Jesus is enough. Will we keep on trusting? Will we keep on believing? Will we decide that all that we have is more than enough in the hands of God? It's time to trust. When the rubber hits to Help us with our dumb mm-hmm. and I can say that God has blessed us infinitely more than we could ever, ever thought of. It. We need a miracle. A miracle. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about life, I think I kind of gave you is that i studied with these couple of miracles in the last couple of weeks, is that even though he's a man of God, notice a couple of things. He gets himself out of the way. See, Elijah gets out of the way when he with Naaman. In fact, he doesn't even go to Naaman. Naaman's like, Gets out of the way for this widow. He said, "You go into your house, close the door." Oh, oh, you're to come in with me. Aren't you gonna pray a blessing over this anointing oil or this this olive oil so that we'll oh, no. you go in. You close the door. Not only did he provide for the need, not only did God provide for the need, but He also provided for the future. Did you that? Not only did He, did she, tell us to pay off the debt, but also to live on the debt. In 1990, a 26-year-old man robbed a bank in, uh, in Ottawa, Canada. The young man was named Danny Simpson, and he was desperate. So he made his way in, and he took away close to $6,000, but he was apprehended shortly after, and uh, he used to commit. Upon his arrest, they, of course, confiscated confiscated his guns, and um, he was sent to jail for six years. Later, the Ottawa police discovered that the pistol Simpson used was not quite a typical handgun, but an antique. Simpson owned a 45-caliber Colt semi-automatic pistol, one of only 100 made by the Ross Rifle Company in Quebec City in 1918. The pistol was worth upwards of $100,000, close to 20 times the amount he had stolen from the bank. If he had only had known what he held in his hand, he would have gotten to his face. This morning... It's like that little boy that came with just a few loaves of fish. And it doesn't seem like much. And you say to God, It's not much, but I'll give it to you. It's not much. The author I mentioned here, Joe Joe Code, you probably heard me talk about this before, but in a chapel when I was in college, he preached a message called, I have a Punch." God wants your lunch. Never forget the title. Never forget that. But this idea What's in your hand this morning? Maybe you're holding on to just a little hope. It just it seems a little bit. It's something happened in the
1: Maybe you're holding on to something that
0: happened in the past. What's in your hand? If God is who He says He is, and God does what He says He can do, then. The Listen to what we heard. And we trust God in that. Whatever it is, whatever little bit you have, make it to Him and see what we need. That's all Lord Jesus. we Okay. Thank you. to yeah. go I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that when he died, he died for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead. And in this moment, I place all of my faith in his death on the cross as the payment for my sin so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be changed. Come into my heart. Welcome me to your family. I want to spend the This morning, if you said that prayer, if you're watching online or here in this room and you've said that prayer, you notice on the connection card there's a box that says, I gave my life to Christ this morning. If you can check that box, i like to follow up with you, talk to you a little bit more about what that means. If you're watching online, to stand as I pray the blessing over you. Uh, this is a blessing that start of we started off the year. We started off the year. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.